Randy Pausch was a professor of computer science and human-computer interaction and design at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. In the fall of 2006, he learned that he had pancreatic cancer. In the fall of 2007, in August, he found out he only had three to six months to live. That September of 2007, in fact, September 18th, he gave what the school referred to as the last lecture. The last lecture was just a series of ongoing lectures where they would ask either outgoing or present, uh, present faculty to just talk about uh, what they would want to impart if this was their last opportunity. If this was their last chance, what wisdom would they want to give to the rest of the faculty and to the students? And so they had this ongoing series. And so on September 18th of that year, 2007, Randy Pouse gave his last lecture in front of 400 colleagues and students. Later, before his death, he co-authored a book by that title, The Last Lecture. Now, as you know, uh, this is my last lecture. This is my last sermon to you, hopefully not forever, but at least for now. On Tuesday, I start a brand new journey that has taken Lucy and I, like I mentioned a moment ago, to the western suburbs of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, to pastor Westside Christian Church. So as I thought about Randy Pouch's story, and I thought about today, I thought, what would I want you to remember? I mean, what, what could I leave you that would encourage you as individuals and as a church? So this is what I believe God wants me to say, but before I get to that, just pray with me if you would. God, I thank you for these moments. I thank you for these next few moments that we have. God, I just pray for your blessing and your hand to be upon today. God, it's amazing that it's the end of July, and yet this place is filled with people who just want to hear the message of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray for a blessing upon people today. I just pray that you speak to hearts and minds. And God, even though this is going to be a little different, I, I know that you can use it to encourage. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, there are times in our lives when I believe it's a positive thing to be reminded of the blessings and the good things that we have because of Jesus. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I mentioned a moment ago as some of the things that we're doing on our house that we don't necessarily have to do. It's because we've been so blessed. And because we've been blessed, we want to bless somebody else and we want to bless others. And I think it's a good thing to be reminded of those blessings, especially those blessings that we have because of Christ and because of what he has done in our lives. You know, I think it's too easy for us to allow the enemy to keep us focused on the disappointments or focused on the failures or focused on the bad things in life instead of keeping our focus on how much we've been incredibly blessed despite the circumstances of life. And so today, I want to remind all of us just how much we've been blessed. You see, I believe that the journey is an amazing church. I mean, I believe that with all my heart. Now, I, please don't misunderstand me. I, I don't mean this in a in, in a prideful way. I really do say it with a humble heart. I just believe that this is an amazing, an amazing church. I mean, I love this place like I told you a moment ago. 
And even though God has done some amazing things in the last nine years, I still believe your greatest days are still to come. In fact, let me just describe a little bit of what's happened just in this last year. I mean, in this last year, a year ago, right now, we were in the process of hiring our new associate pastor. And we prayed for God to bring the right person who would not only be the right person to to fulfill the roles that we needed at that time, but would be the right person whenever I left. And God blessed us with Chad and his wife, Kara, and their family. Um, And as soon as he got here, he began to make an impact in the life of this church. And we are very thankful for that. What's been amazing is the fact also from the end of December through the middle of March, our attendance rose almost 80 people a week. Just in that short period of time, where all of a sudden we went from the low 400s to over 500 in March. I mean, God just began to bless. The other thing that's pretty amazing to me and and speaks of what God does in this place is the fact that we've already had, I think, as many baptisms this year as we did all last year. And the year's only half over. And so God is is working in an incredible way. In fact, in second service today, we're going to have another baptism today. You're going to miss that, but believe me, it's going to be amazing. Because a mom gets to baptize her daughter. You see, God is working in an amazing way in the life of this church. Uh, Our garden ministry, um, Lorraine Broxerman, it was a family member of hers that I did the funeral for yesterday, and I I just asked her, she said, so far this year, we've been able to give, as of to date, about 600 pounds already of fresh vegetables to the food bank. Just from our garden, that's right out there. And as Chad said, we've already passed out about 1,900 meals to kids to feed them in three different uh, locations, three different apartment complexes, and that's just amazing. You know, a couple years ago, I asked our leaders and staff what they felt made the journey such a special place. And I want to give you a few things today. If you're visiting with us today, yeah, this is going to be a little bit unusual, but understand, it's my last Sunday, so what can they do, fire me? (laughs) I mean, come on. So, but the other thing is this, if you're visiting with us today, you need to know what this church is about. And this is going to give you a great idea of what this church is about. And so that's why I want to share. So I asked them, what, ma- what do you think makes the journey such an amazing and special place? Here are some of the things that the leaders and the staff said. First is this, it's because Jesus Christ is worshipped here. I mean, Jesus is worshipped here. I've shared with you before uh, several years ago, but when I was in college, I traveled for Christ in Youth, and um, the summer, um, it's the summer between my junior and senior year, I was traveling with COI, and um, we were doing camps literally all over the country, and we were at Camp Como, which is literally up about 9,000 feet in the Rockies. I mean, it's just amazingly beautiful, and I can, I can remember as a as a Bible college student, waking up in the morning, getting up really early just to watch the sunrise. Because it was so beautiful as it began to, to, to shine uh, uh, the valley up. 
as it began to come over the aspens and everything just began to, to be lit up. It was amazing. And I can remember sitting at night watching the stars or watching the sunset and literally being in awe of our God and wondering just what he had for us that next day. I mean, it's an amazing thing, isn't it, to just be able to reflect on who God is and on what he's done. Let me tell you, that's a lot like the life of worship, isn't it, for Christians? I was reminded this morning, because we don't talk about it a lot, but we should, and that is we forget that worship is more than just what we do here as we sing. Worship is what you do on a daily basis. It's, it's, it's prayer. It's, it's our giving. It's every aspect of our life is involved in worship. You see, Jesus, Jesus is worshipped here. Because he's worshipped here, hopefully he's being worshipped in your life as well. I mean, after all, shouldn't we find ourselves in awe every day of our life as we think about the incredible beauty of our God? Let me tell you. When we fix our eyes and when we fix our hearts on Jesus, we will always be amazed at the things we discover, won't we? Archbishop William Temple once described worship as the quickening of conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, and the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of our will to his purpose, and all of this gathered up in adoration. That's worship. And I think that sums up the worship of the journey and the worship journey that we are on. You see, I'm so thankful that this is a place that we can come together and we can set aside our own traditions. We can set aside our own preferences, our wants, what we think worship ought to be. And we can just come together as the body of Christ and worship him. I mean, there are churches all over this country this morning that are divided because they can't come together on what worship is. And so they're divided. David writes, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many people will see this and worship him. Then they will trust the Lord. The bottom line is this, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. We want our worship to be a celebration because we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he alone deserves our worship. He alone deserves our praise. So the journey is an amazing place to me because Jesus Christ is worshipped here. But second of all, because God's word is preached here and God's word is taught here. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Let me tell you, if we are going to err on anything as a church, it will always be on the side of this book, not on the side of man. We were always going to stand on this book, not just on the teachings of what a church says or the teachings of man. Now, let me be real honest with you. Some of you are still struggling in this area. Some of you, because you were raised a certain way or you were taught certain things or you were taught certain traditions of your church, and that's all well and good, but there comes a point where we must separate those things from what the Bible teaches, and we have to decide who we are going to follow. I mean, I've had conversations 
with people in the last nine years who still struggle in the area of baptism because of what their church taught them as a child or because they were sprinkled as an infant. But there comes a point in time where we have to say, what does the Bible say? And we have to follow what God's Word says, not necessarily what man teaches. And so we have to understand who are we following. Now, hopefully that doesn't offend any of you because I don't mean to offend you. But just know we are going to follow this book. And this church will continue to follow this book and its teachings because that's what we are held accountable to. So it's a place where Jesus is worshipped. It's a place where God's word is preached and taught. Because this also is a loving and friendly place to be a part of. Let me tell you, week after week, I have people tell me what a loving and what a friendly place this is. Some have even said, man, this feels like home. It feels like home, and I hope it does. Alyssa and I were talking this week, and I was reminded about uh, it's about, been about two years ago now, maybe two and a half years ago. And I just remember meeting, Lu, her name was Ludmila. And I met her, she was from the Ukraine. She actually came to the States because she wanted to study the Bible. I remember meeting her at the door before the service. And I hooked her up with Alyssa, our secretary. And I just remember uh, Ludmila said, just about, Brad, right where you're at, that's where she sat that day. And literally, she cried through the whole sermon. I'm thinking, I don't know what I've done to this person, but I don't know if it's good or bad. But she's crying through the whole thing. Then after the service, she went to Alyssa, and she had a daughter, but she she just came by herself that day, and her daughter stayed with her husband. And, and she hadn't been to church in years because she worked on Sundays, and she just had got her schedule changed. So she could finally come to a church, and she found our church. And Alyssa took her downstairs to show her the kids' ministry. And when they were coming up the stairs, I was standing out in the foyer, and I heard her, and I saw her as tears were streaming down her face. And this is what she was saying all the way up the stairs. I'm home. I'm home. I found my home then I had tears in my eyes. You see, we want this place to be like that for people. We want them to, to, to feel love and to feel welcomed. We want people to feel like this is a place they can, they can call home. Now, let me tell you, if you weren't friendly with somebody today, then you need to repent and find someone to love on before you leave here today, Okay. And that's the bottom line. If you, if you weren't friendly with somebody, then you find somebody to be friendly with before you leave this place. Here's the thing. We've always wanted this to be a place where you can be real, where you can be you, where no matter where you come from or who you are or what you've done, you can walk through those doors and you can be greeted with handshakes. Now, i got to stop here for a moment because uh, I... I talked about this about three or four years ago, and when some reason, I don't know why, but when I was doing my writing, when I read it that morning, I had put down milkshakes. <laughs> so, I, so what I read was this, you can walk through those doors and be greeted with milkshakes. <laughs> and then I thought about it, and I'm going, you know what, that's not a bad thing, is it? <laughs> I mean, think about it. how many of you would like to come into the service and be greeted with a, like a milkshake. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, we just have Chick-fil-A set up right out there. They're not open on Sunday, so they can come here. 
I'm just passing out milkshakes. So anyway, I had to change that during the service. So, but we want this to be a place where you can be greeted with those handshakes or milkshakes and smile so that when you leave, you will feel loved. And you will feel accepted. And you will feel safe. And you may never know how impacting that can be on the kingdom of God. Sometimes it may mean the difference between whether a person gets a second chance to hear about the love of Jesus. Again, you can laugh at me making this place look good on Saturday night. But I do it because I believe that people, people make a, they will make a decision sometimes based on what they see. And I want people to have a second chance to hear about the message of Christ. But next, let me go on. It's because people are willing to serve and sacrifice so that God's kingdom work will be accomplished. Let me tell you, I appreciate the way our people have been willing to step up to the plate and serve. Let me tell you, that's so awesome. But you know what? We can't stop now, and we can't rest on our successes. Why? Because we are still on an incredible journey, and we still need some more of you to join your hearts and your hands with us so that more lives can be changed and more kids can be taught about the love of Christ. Let me tell you, we still need volunteers so that God's kingdom can continue to move forward. If you're visiting with us and you're not military, you're probably in the minority because most of the families we get, we're probably at 50, 60% military. Now, I love that about this church because we're able to literally send people out and touch lives all over the world. But the downside is we lose people every summer. I mean, we've already had probably almost 20 to 25 families move this summer. That equates to anywhere between 50 and 100 people. A lot of those are volunteers. We have an amazing kids program. On a given Sunday, there'll be 120 to 130 sixth grade and under downstairs in the two services. That doesn't happen without volunteers. You see, we need you to join your hearts and your hands. The best thing you can do, if you want to honor me, so to speak, and I say that humbly, but if you want to do that because of my nine years here, you know what the best thing you can do is get in and serve this church. You just get in and serve. If you're not serving now, then you say, you know what? He's right. I need to be serving. Find a place to serve and jump in, whether it's our kids' ministry, worship ministry, youth ministry, life group ministry, whatever it is, you jump in and you serve. Let me tell you, it's going to take all of us working together to make things happen. In this place. But it's also amazing to see not only the service, but also the sacrifice that this family has made over these last nine years that I've been here. Because it's amazing to be able to share either through community outreach or through special times of giving. And our family has really sacrificed. I mean, I just want to take you back to four years ago and think about the last four years. Because we've not only been able to help people, not just in our own church and community, but literally around the world. As you know, we, about four years ago, we started going into the process of a remodel. And through our remodel, we were able to enlarge this. We were able to add that on. We were able to do the downstairs. And God blessed in an incredible way. But it wasn't without sacrifice. And our church sacrificed 
our capital campaign brought in about 700000 to to help get this thing off the ground and get started to go. But you know what was even cooler than that? It was the fact that our church, our leaders decided we took the first 30000 that came in and we sent it to India so that we could have a church built there. There was a community of believers there that had no church. And we were able to not only have that church built, but then a couple years later we went over, we sent a team over that helped dedicate that church. You see, we've been able to, to help and to, to reach out. We've helped tornado victims in other states, in Oklahoma and Joplin a few years ago. We've been able to reach out to this community Something as simple as our golf tournament that we do every year. Do you realize, you probably don't because I really haven't said anything about it, but this year we were able through our golf tournament, through what you all helped us with and the donations that came in, we were able to help the Frederick Church plant, which Chris and Maggie and Dylan, that's where they're from. They're, They're a part of that church plant that launches in September. We were able to help them. We were able to help uh, my son, Brandon, and his work in Kenya. We were able to help uh, um, Tyler Jackson, who just became the new campus pastor at ODU, Old Dominion. We were able to help him with his support. Um, we were able to, uh, there's, there was two more things. There were five things that we were able to do this year through the golf tournament, simply because you guys were willing and you gave. Oh, yes, and Grayson. And that's friends of Brandon's. We were able to help Grayson. um, And we were able to take that check to his family and visit them and see them. And he's doing amazing. It's amazing what God does when he touches not only our hearts, not only our lips, not only our feet, not only our hands, but he touches our wallets for the kingdom of God. But this is also a great place because what we are doing here has eternal consequences. You know, this is one of those things I don't think people think about on a weekly basis, but yet it's true each and every week. The fact is this, eternities lay in the balance each and every week in this place. Now, I love our programs. I love our worship. We've already talked about that. I love our kids. We've talked about that. I love our life groups. We've talked about, I love all these things. They are great and they are awesome, but guess what? Programs don't go to heaven. People do. Now, you want to know what's sad is sometimes churches treat programs like they're sacred. Sometimes they treat programs like they're the Bible, and all of a sudden you've thrown a program out the window. You've thrown the Bible out the window, and that's not the case. Programs aren't sacred, but people's souls are. And what we do each and every week here has eternal effects on the lives of people. And so the the attorneys of people are a priority in this place. And we'll never put a program above, above people. But lastly, and one of the most important reasons that the journey is a very special place is because God's Holy Spirit, His presence and His power is here. Let me tell you, even if we had all the other things that make this place so amazing that we've talked about, if God's presence and God's power wasn't here, then we might as well go home. Because then all we are are a social club. His presence and his power is what we need. I can say with all honesty that I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that God is in this place. You know what? I love to hear. I love it when I talk to people that have been visiting, and the, one of the first words that come out of their mouth is this, I felt God's presence when I walked into this building. Because that speaks volumes to me. You see, his spirit is alive and well, and it's working to help us become the church and to help us to reach this community and this area for Christ. And I'm thankful that I get to see the work of the spirit almost each and every week. I see it through changed lives, through answered prayers, through laughter and through tears. God's spirit's in this place. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, how can he be so sure? Well, let me tell you. One of the reasons is because he lives inside each and every one of us that has made Christ a part of their lives. And when we're here, guess what? He's here. He's in this, this place. But second of all, because every Sunday morning before the service begins, the elders and I meet right back there and we pray. And one of the things we pray for is that the power of the Holy Spirit will fill this place and will simply blow us away. And I can tell you he's never let us down. So, if we want the journey to continue to be an amazing place, then what do we need to do? Well, there are two things, and these are two things I've told you in the past, I'm going to tell you again, that we need to do if this place is going to continue to be an amazing place. The first is this, we need to be willing, and you need to be willing to risk it all for the cause of Christ. To risk it all for the cause of Christ. I love this statement, you'll miss 100% of the shots you're afraid to take. Let me tell you, fear, fear will paralyze a church, but faith will always carry her to the realms of the impossible. Somebody once said, faith isn't faith until you're ready to risk something for God. Noah was willing to risk reputation and ridicule and loss of family and friends to build a boat in the desert for God. Abraham was willing to risk the life of his son for God. David was willing to risk his life to face a giant for God. The disciples were willing to risk everything to follow their God. Jesus left the security and the glory of heaven to risk the cross. So let me ask you, what are you willing to risk for God? What are you willing to risk? To not only see the kingdom expand, but the kingdom expand in this place. Now let me be real honest with you. In the next few months, you will, you will be asked to be risk takers for the kingdom of God. And as you move into this new phase of ministry, it will take everyone risking their time, talents, and treasures to see God's kingdom explode in this place we call home. So we need to be willing to risk it all. But the second thing is this, never give up. Never give up. No matter how discouraged you may get, never give up. Now, I know that this may come as a surprise to you, but your staff and your elders and your leaders, we're not perfect people. Okay, we're not. We're not perfect. And because of that, mistakes will be made. And there'll be times when we have to reevaluate things and try something different. You see, nothing is necessarily set in stone. And you know what? That's okay, and that's a good thing. But there's one thing that I can promise you that will never happen, and that is this. This place will never give up. Your leaders in this church will never give up. Your staff in this church will never give up. Let me tell you, life is going to dump on you, life is going to slap you in the face, and you're going to wonder how you can continue on. You'll be ready to throw in the towel and call it quits, but no matter how many times that happens, never, ever give up. 
Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Don't take your eyes off the finish line, off the cross of Christ. Just never give up. In the book I mentioned at the beginning, the last lecture, Randy Pausch, who again, he was dying of pancreatic cancer. He talks about the times in this book that he felt like he was running into brick walls. He made this observation. I've always loved this. This is what he said. He said, brick walls are there for a reason. They are not there to keep us out, to keep us down, or to keep us from pressing on. They are there to show us how badly we want something. They only stop those who are willing to give up. Paul put it this way. Brothers and sisters, I know that I have not yet reached the goal, that goal, but there is one thing I always do. Forgetting the past and straining toward what is ahead, I keep trying to reach the goal and get the prize for which God called me through Christ to the life above. So this is my prayer for you, and this is what I want, want us to do. I just want you to come together right now. Stand with me. Just come together as the body. Bring the aisles together, and let's pray together, because this is my prayer for you today. This is my prayer. My prayer is this. I pray that together, that this church and its leaders and its staff, I pray that you will press on, that you will pray on, that you will serve on, that you will share on, that you will love on, and most importantly, that you will never give up. You'll never give up, no matter what happens, no matter what comes in your life, no matter what circumstances hit you, that you'll never give up. You'll focus on Christ and the cross and keep him in the forefront. Let's pray.